The year is 2010. It's a brand new decade, and none of us knew that in just nine short years, we would be spiraling out of control. But at this time, Doug Walker is bigger than he's ever been in his entire life. His flagship site, That Guy With The Glasses, has even more contributors, an even bigger audience. So what does he do to commemorate the second year of success? He makes a feature-length movie, way out in the deserts of Nevada, the small micronation of Molossia. The film was called Kickassia, and Esther and I watched it. We did not enjoy it. No. <laughs> can't can't hey. say I love this one, I gotta say. Yeah, no, and folks, welcome back. Uh, we're, we're continuing our Doug Walker miniseries, and... Uh, now that we've gotten the anniversary brawl out of the way, it was time to, uh, climb the first mountain, so to speak. And that first mountain is Kickassia. This is, uh, what everyone thinks is the first That Guy With The Glasses movie. And, uh, oh man, it is, <laughs> it's so much worse than I thought it was going to be. Like, I, I oh, yeah. knew it was going to be bad. I had seen Suburban Nights. I had seen To Boldly Flee. I knew that these weren't going to be good, but oh my God. Had you never How? seen this one before? I had not seen this one before. Oh, wow. Fine. It is, it is so, I, I, I remember when we were talking about it yesterday, both of us were just kind of dumbfounded at how bad it was. Yeah, it's really, it's it's truly on another sort of level from what you expect it to be, where you might expect it to be the sort of thing that you can kind of cringe at in a way that's entertaining. Um, it's not. It's really just, it's just dire every single second of it. Um, <laughs> I sort of did get to the point where I was watching it first at one one point two five times speed, and then 1.5 times speed, and you're sort of speeding it up because it just was not going fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> even at higher speeds it just seemed to be taking the entirety of my life really um, yeah the film is 90 minutes long and it feels like a year it, <laughs> it it really goes to show the importance of pace and rhythm in a movie because this movie which is shorter than most movies feels like the length of seven samurai <laughs> it, 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 it's 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 just unbearable so Oh. Uh, now, if you all are familiar with, um, with those good old fashioned values, we usually like to do plot summaries along the way to keep the audience in sync with what we're talking about and give us like a guideline, something to talk, like something to follow along with. But, uh, I could not find a plot synopsis of Kickassia anywhere. I, I I looked and I could only find like little blurbs that people wrote back in 2010. I even went on to TV tropes, which there's any fucking site where there should be a goddamn plot synopsis of that guy with the glasses movies. It should be fucking TV tropes. The website where Drop like, the ball. yeah, every single thing has like 3000 pages of notes, but no, no kick ass plot summary. So we're going to be going off of our vague memory and vibes here. I hope you can forgive us. In our defense, nothing happens in this movie. And it vanished from my head as soon as I finished watching it. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. So, the, um, okay. the basic gist of this movie is that uh, 
Malasia is a small micronation out in Nevada run by one guy. I forget the guy's name, but it is like an actual place. And uh, Doug Walker worked with the guy who runs it and decided to make a movie with him for the second anniversary where Doug Walker and his band of reviewers would invade Malasia, but then internal conflicts and scheming from the head of Malasia would bring down the uh, newfound nation of Kickassia. Yeah. Uh, the, guy's, the guy's name is Kevin Baugh. Um, he is... You, I mean, you know, Google his name and you'll instantly get the image of him. Uh, absolutely just this kind of insufferable libertarian. Uh, yeah, he's who, dressed like... like Augusto Pinochet. <laughs> if Augusto Pinochet ran a miniature golf course. Yeah, <laughs> not clear if that was a costume they gave to him or if that is just what he wears sort of in life. Um, the latter does seem plausible. Uh, yeah, and it the whole thing with Malasia is it is the kind of thing that like, in 2009, you would see a post about it on Dig, and you'd be like, oh, this is, like, epic. This dude yeah. is freaking win. <laughs> yeah. No, this was the golden age of, like, sovereign citizen guys. Like, yeah. you, you could just go on YouTube, and you'd find, like, you know, a thousand guys who uh, are, are sometimes kind of cool when they just go up to cops and just yell at them for, like, giving parking <laughs> tickets, but usually are just, like getting mad at toll booths and doing the like am i being detained shit yeah. uh but yeah th- this was a golden age this was the ron paul era you know everyone oh, yeah. everyone was really into like this specific brand of libertarianism that hadn't quite curdled into outright fascism yet so no this this uh kick uh Malasia is still a thing but this film does serve as a very useful time capsule of capturing a specific moment in a libertarian internet culture. Because, like, yeah. I remember all the time, people fucking loved Ron Paul. Like, my mm-hmm. God. Like, the, the cult of personality Bernie Sanders has, like, if you adjust for scale, because there <laughs> were, like, 300 people on the internet back in 2010. But if, uh, on, like, the internet internet, that is. And uh, if you adjust for scale, Ron Paul was like as big, if not bigger than Bernie. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah, it is, it is this sort of middle period where like, you know, all of these libertarian people could get lots of views on their videos about how, uh, you know, like you say, their am I being detained videos. Um, But also no one had asked them their thoughts on the age of consent yet. So that sort of like bubble hadn't really burst yet. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It was coming. No, all they had to do. All they had to do was think religion was cringe and that yep. weed would should be legalized. And um, that, yes. that, that would oh my be their God, life. Yeah. Yeah. The crossover between that guy with the glasses fandom and new atheism is like a circle, basically. It's, and that is it's something so I'd love to talk about intense that people forget that the amazing atheist was on that guy with the glasses for like a year. Oh, God, and he was. He was. And it's one of my favorite little mini stories in internet history because he was on there and he like didn't upload enough he sucked at his job and he got kicked off the site because or he either got kicked off or left i don't know because he tried to make a video called the top 10 gayest music videos (laughs) and and, which i would have loved to see that by the way i i i I have some thoughts honestly (laughs) yeah like look okay like look i I know i know times have changed but i i know times have changed but that fucking uh, David Bowie Mick Jagger video like Jesus Christ man 
Jesus Christ. God. So, uh, no, he was on that site and they, they told him, and this was the website where like everyone was making like four rape jokes per video. Like they told him, no, you can't make a mm-hmm. top 10 gayest, top 10 gayest videos, music videos list. And he's like, all right, I quit. I'm going to go back onto YouTube and talk, just yell at, uh, yell at guys that make videos talking about Jesus and their, uh, Ford F-150. <laughs> Okay, which itself so, was a huge niche back then. You could, yeah, you could get hugely successful being like, uh, top ten reasons why creationism is fucking stupid. I, uh, I, number one, I, it's gay. <laughs> number two, <laughs> I know the pendulum has swung back a bit, and like now we have to see like insane right wing teenagers pretending to be Catholic, but and everyone's <laughs> just like, oh, we got to bring back new atheism. I, I was there. We don't. We really don't. don't. Oh, God, we, no. We, it was the. It no. was so bad. It was so no. bad. We really don't need to bring that back. <laughs> yeah, that's like saying we need to bring back Weimar Germany because the Nazis are bad. Like, we, we can we can do without either. So, uh, the actual plot of the movie is, like, Doug goes up to um, <laughs> Doug goes up to this average small business owner looking guy and it's like hey we're going to we're going to invade your nation and he looks like the wraparound sunglasses guy we talked about last episode he looks like the guy who says that's just my work ethic yeah he 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 is like he is the that's just my work ethic guy on like his vacation at the driving range (laughs) (laughs) and he you know he's like we're gonna invade you and uh the guy just doesn't uh doesn't say anything and then doug storms away and then he has this like he does this weird like two towers bit where he like changes costume into this dude who's like dressed like sean connery in the last crusade and just like talks to himself like should we be worried about this invasion and he's like nah not no just whatever just keep our defenses up and then that happens and doug rallies the site and now the site at this point has expanded significantly. Mm. There's like, there's a pretty big ensemble cast in this movie and everyone gets something to do. And uh, I guess we should talk about some of the, uh, some of the recurring characters now, since, you know, the scene where Doug is in the hotel room with all these people, uh, that's when we get introduced to all these new faces. So yeah, uh, there's, because there's some of them, you can, you can sort of, see how uh how popular people were based on how many lines they get with one notable mm. exception um and once again it is Lindsay, but we will talk a lot about i have a lot to say about Lindsay in this movie but for the most part it's like oh if your videos are more popular you have a great greater role in this story um which is why like linkara and the spoony one and weirdly cinema snob i don't know if he was ever that popular but he's like a oh pretty... he was huge i think he's a pretty he, prominent he was... role in this um yeah. or or this guy I'd never heard of named Film Brain, who looks like a he looks like a he looks like a failed clone of H Bomber guy that they like dumped he, in a dumpster. Um, he, he's the whole time is like persona in the movie. I was like, this guy is just like if I was evil. That's just <laughs> that's just he just has like dark, the same Dark Spencer, yeah, yeah. He just has the same like impish, chaotic. <laughs> persona that i have online but he's just like you want to strangle him like 40 times more than you want to strangle me and he's like halfway between he's like halfway between that guy with the glasses and like fred like that's his energy he is like 
He's like a he's like a, a warning from the future about bread tube. <laughs> <laughs> he like he's like if they had like a Prince of Darkness style like like the 1999 warning, <laughs> it would be like warning you about the oncoming bread tube. He would be the one just like standing in front of the building. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. <laughs> so um. <laughs> Yeah, no, film brain is in this. So I guess we should talk about everyone. Um, I, watching this, I don't think I've ever hated a person as much as I hate Angry Joe in this. Like, oh god, I, Angry Joe, Angry Joe is sort of like, like even when I was a uh, nostalgia critic fan, I kind of knew that Angry Joe is like, yo, this guy kind of sucks. Like, <laughs> he, 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 yeah, so. It- and he, he, he definitely you read him as like, oh, I don't know why anyone like, why do people like this? Even if you liked the nostalgia critic, I, I think you could watch him and be like, what? His energy is just, just absolutely noxious in this movie. It's just, yeah. I don't understand it at all. Yeah, he, um, I don't know what he's going for. Like, okay, the key reason why this movie is as bad as it is, um, is because. Doug Walker is possibly the least charismatic human <laughs> being in history. He He's just, like, mugging all over the place. You know, he's acting like, I don't know, Adam Sandler or something. But Adam Sandler, whatever you think about him, whether you're, like, an Adam Sandler revivalist or you think that the critics were right about him, Adam Sandler is fucking Cary Grant next to <laughs> Doug Walker. Doug Walker is mugging all over the place. He's cracking wise. He's doing all these funny voices. None of it works. It, no. Not a single thing he does in this is even remotely interesting or funny or compelling. It's bizarre because so for a lot of it, he's doing uh, a a sort of <laughs> to call it a send up, I think is too generous. But he's dressed like he's doing Raul Julia in the Street Fighter movie. The, he's doing yeah. M. Bison. Um, but li- in the narrative of the film, like about halfway through, he does just give up the impression. <laughs> Yeah, he just stops doing it. He just gets tired of it, and then he like picks it back up at random throughout. And it's like it's the laziest thing in the universe. It's it's uh, it's unbelievable how like how hard to watch he is. The uh, yeah, I called it his epic voice, and it, it was <laughs> it is one of the most painful things to hear. So bad. It's so so bad. Like, oh my fucking god. It, it's it's like the male version of Lena Lamont from Singing in the Rain, except it's not funny. It's just... just it just... It I just, didn't yeah. know... If you, if you didn't know... First of all, if you hadn't seen the Street Fighter movie, or he's not even referencing that, he's referencing the video that he did about the Street Fighter movie. Yeah. If you didn't he, know that, you would have no idea. Like, what the fuck is he... Go- like, what is he aiming at? I don't even know. Maybe he's hitting it. I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea what he's going for. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't make any sense because, like, Doug Walker's... I feel like his two biggest things is that, one, he's kind of a Jon Stewart ripoff. He has the same, like, angry, smart guy persona, but Jon Stewart, again, whatever you think of him, is a fucking clown prince next to Doug. And two, he does, like, all these running jokes. Uh, I think that's probably taken from, like, really early Simpsons, or... I mean, that obviously isn't the only show to have running jokes, but it does have the same general energy of, like, Bart's prank calls to Moe. 
and uh, the one of Doug's big running jokes was, of course, which was this mm-hmm. scene in Street Fighter, and he would replay the clip whenever someone in the movie wanted to uh, take over the world. And, uh, yeah, it, it's not yeah. funny at all, <laughs> and he... Let's let's make very one thing very clear. It's not funny. It's so it's so irritating. God, and I I need to also take a little sidebar and say the reason why I brought him up is that Angry Joe is somehow worse. Like, yeah, somehow probably. Like, it shouldn't be possible. And Angry Joe is in this blessedly way less than Doug. But yeah, every. I don't know what he's doing in this movie. I don't, he's just like yelling a lot and like it's like a it's like a middle schooler who watched too much nostalgia critic and then was trying to be the nostalgia critic in class. That's the best way I can describe it. He's yeah, that's the thing is like he's not even really playing the, the, like the nostalgia critic is a character in the loosest sense of the term, right? It's like it's it's Doug doing doing gags basically. Um, but he's not really, like, the nostalgic, ugh, I'm gonna sound like such a fucking jackass what I'm about to say. The nostalgic critic we see here doesn't seem to have any relation to the nostalgic critic we know from the series. But, like, it doesn't. It's, and that is part of the weirdness of this movie is, like, it's never clear why they're doing this. And I don't mean that in a narrative sense of, like, why are they invading the nation? Because they, you know, bring that up and, and kind of poke fun at that several times. But not in a way that ever really really is like well but like but like why like like why are all of you in reality here making this movie like you could you could you could surely come up with something that has some more to do with like the personas that you have established that are popular like the people I, like that people like you for i <laughs> oh, hate yeah. to give yeah i hate to give give any credit to to boldly flee but at least that movie was about like internet movie critics it, it was about something related to this website and this is just like we flew out all of our nerds into nevada and then shot a movie you won't believe what happens next <laughs> it, uh, okay, yeah and it's um, exactly it's, it's like because you know it's the epic epic dig moment of like oh malasia that's the cool and by the way i would love to trace back uh, and see when if if there was like a particular moment online when Malasia was like a big search term and see if mm. it's around then or maybe or if this was like an outdated reference because there is a there is a sort of big reference point in this movie that was very far out of date when this was released <laughs> at yeah. least one I yeah I remember that. like I, it was like 2011 when I'd first heard of Kickassia and I had to like look up to see what the fuck Malasia even was and uh, I hadn't heard of it by then, so I, I don't know. Uh, okay. So they, they, uh, the rest of the cast of characters we kind of touched on. Linkara's doing, still doing his thing. Spoonie. Spoonie has his new character of like Dr. Insano, and it's also really tedious. You know, he's just like, he's an evil scientist. He's, you know, that's. That would have been, with- yeah. I, I, I want to, I, I, Wish I could remember sort of what the sort of arc of him was at that time, because Doctor Insano was a bit in his videos, but like Spoonie was weird because he sort of started out as a more traditional, like less character focused guy, 
and then he sort of as he got more popular it, you kind of got the impression that he felt the pressure to like add more characters and skits and stuff like that and dr insana was part of that and then that sort of like fell away um maybe the maybe there's some kind of like narrative in which like by the time they made this that had happened so it was like oh it's like a callback to like when he used to do this character i have no idea um but i do know that like that was sort of a, a short-lived thing with him was like that he would do in the way that you know the nostalgia critic did um yeah that he didn't really need to uh, yeah uh other than that uh the other the other people that stuck out uh is we'll touch on Lindsay last mars girl is in this a lot i not familiar with Mars Girl at all. She doesn't really make a huge impression. Uh, she she sort of plays like a drill instructor once they get to Kikassia, and there's not much to what she's doing. Uh, she just kind of... I don't know. So uh, There are so many people in this movie, and like four of them make an impression, and three of them, it's in a really bad way. Beyond her... Uh, there's Juwario, who uh, I, I don't even like talking about. His character is just so fucking bleak. But he he comes off as extremely sinister in this movie. Like, it, he... I don't know. He looks like shit. He's got this, like, fucked up haircut. And he's just, like... I, I guess his whole persona is that he's, like, very chipper and optimistic. But it... Like, even ignoring all of the horrible, horrible things that he's been accused of and his death i there is just something off about what he's doing there there is something not correct about his like persona like half the time he seems like he's asleep and the other half of the time he he just seems vaguely frightening i i don't know how to put it but i i don't like looking at him in this movie get him off the screen uh i, I the other the other people that stood out to me were um uh phelan and brad and, uh, look, from what I can tell, Brad Jones isn't a great person. He's one of the very few people who stuck with the, stuck with the site after the allegations came yeah. out. But In fact, um, to this day, he's the only one. If you go, yeah. <laughs> you go to that com, not that I recommend that you do, but if you go to, like, there'll be a tab that's just Doug shit, and then another tab that's, like, other contributors, and it's Brad and, like, one other guy I've never heard of. That's it. And then compare that to all the people who were in this. And they were in the next movies, there's going to be more people. Yeah. And uh, Brad, the thing is, though, is that, and I feel bad saying this, Brad is easily one of the most watchable people in this movie. He is, um, I I'm not going to say he's good, but I will say that his sort of wry persona, it translates a lot better here. And, um... I don't know, he's kind of, he's the only one who can pull off the sort of cynical jackass thing pretty well. I don't, again, I'm not saying he's great, and I'm not saying I'd want to, him to be cast in a movie, but compare him to whatever the fuck Doug and Angry Joe are doing. Like, yeah, I'll take this guy, like, being sarcastic any day of the week. Yeah. Um, I should say, I now that I have it up, um, yeah, the thing with Mars Girl, who was, the, the person I was thinking of was Obscurus Lupa who is, uh, doesn't show up in this one yet. Mars Girl um, was a runner-up in the Nostalgia Chick contest um, and then sort of joined the site under under her own persona and then found that, like, site management seemed to have a... seemed to just kind of have it out for her, was constantly 
undermining her and and doing things so that she felt like she couldn't get any viewership or like uh like just kind of felt like site management was being unfair to her basically and and eventually she left um yeah again it didn't really she didn't really make an impression on me here um yeah who yeah but god who else is is in this are there two oh yeah so there's 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 phalus um phalus i'm gonna be honest i i i I think he seemed to be having the best time out of anyone i i he his whole shtick from the day was that he was really sarcastic and just constantly said everything like he uh was rolling his eyes the entire time and yeah it does wear thin, but like he seems to be having the most fun doing his line reads and talking to everyone. I, I, if there's anyone in this movie who escapes unscathed, it is probably him, in my opinion. It's interesting that yeah, I feel like because Phalus and Cinema Snob. Let, let me be clear: when we talk about anything positive related to these performances, it is the lowest possible bar in the universe that's being cleared. Um, but those two, like, they're not asked to do anything outside of their shtick, right? Like, and who knows if, if, I don't know if Brad Jones is doing a shtick. I think he comes across to me as, I think he just is a kind of cynical piece of shit. Yeah, he's sarcastic (laughs) as hell. He just seems like an asshole, and that's what he's doing. And Phalus is just, you know, he looks like he owns, uh, he bought all his shirts from Hot Topic, and they all say, like... He dresses like I dressed to high school. (laughs) Linkara dresses like I dressed in high school, so... Yeah, um, no, I, I went not to a like private the, uh, school. Yeah. I went to a private school where everyone had to wear like khaki shorts and like polo shirts. <laughs> so so he looks like he looks like he's about to have the worst day of eleventh grade yet. <laughs> yeah, he looks like on Monday he wears a shirt that says I'm fluent in sarcasm and on Tuesday he wears a shirt that's like I'm fluent in sarcasm and movie quotes. <laughs> and it's just he rotates through them. Um and yeah, and those are the only ones that seem to come out like vaguely vaguely watchable which is like the most i would say for anyone in this movie the, the closest thing i got to a laugh in this movie was they you know they initially tried to invade kick uh Malasia, and uh then you know he just uh a fucking libertarian kfc guy shoots them with a gun and they all run away and then they cut back to the hotel and then phelan says well that didn't work and his delivery is like amusing his delivery is okay and that was the closest thing I ever had to, like, actually laughing at the movie. Oh, uh, God, what else? So they, they invade Kikassia, and they're all, <laughs> they're all dressed in, like, the most upsetting, just horrible nerd way possible. Like, they're dressed like the lame people at Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're the nerds that are too annoying for other comic-con people they're dressed like they're at rhode island comic-con <laughs> yeah yeah no they they're they're dressed like they're at like the worst day of pax east That's the <laughs> way. <laughs> and they invade and uh fucking you know uh small business owner pinochet surrenders and is like okay you all can have this micronation and uh meanwhile he sort of switches to his other character which again it's like the sean connery outfit guy i I don't know how to describe him and he's like oh well i'm gonna secretly plan to cause them to collapse from within so they have their nation of kickassia now and all is well and what follows is 
one of the most interminable 20 minutes I have ever experienced watching any movie ever. It is a sequence where Rollo T, which I need to issue a correction. Rollo T is not the one who had the really acrimonious split with uh, that guy with the glasses early on. That was Lord Cat. Lord Cat is in this movie. Rollo T, I don't think ever had that like really awful split with them or a uniquely bad one. Um, and also Lord Cat is someone who doesn't really make an impression in this movie because he has like four lines. But uh, what happens is that Rollo T, who is also a charisma vacuum, is just holding up his microphone and just kind of he's just like interviewing he's doing like they're doing a mockumentary type thing about uh the new island the new nation of kickassia and they interview all the new members and how what they're doing and their role in the government and i don't know if you'd agree with me esther but like in a movie that was exceptionally painful this was the part where i started to really regret my life choices this sequence goes on for so long it's in it is it is unbelievable. This guy, Rolo T, is doing this, like, W.C. Fields voice. Because uh, yeah. it's supposed to be, like, this newsreel deal. Yeah, it's supposed to be, like, the news on the march scene from Citizen Kane. Literally. And it's go. he ta- He has a bit with everyone in the cast. And it, they all go on for, like, five minutes too long. Everyone gets a, gets a thing. And it's just the, it's the worst shit. And it makes me, like... It's the sort of thing that makes you wonder, like, how much of this did they just come up with when they were there? You know, because they were like, oh, I have a fun bit I could do. It's it's <laughs> it's it's interminable. It's so, so bad. Everyone has their own bit and none of it is good. They have like Phelous, who, again, even though he's like the best one here, he still has this awful, awful running gag of how he'll give the nostalgia critic jokes, then the critic will just punch him and then pretend the idea was his. None of it works. Uh, Phelous, God bless him, he seems to be trying as hard as he can, but he just, it does not work at all. Uh, fucking nostalgia critic is doing his, um, you know, epic voice, and it's horrible. They have all of this stuff about, um, like, uh, you know, Mars girls running drills and punching the guys there, and... You know, that's that's a classic slice of 2010s humor. The girl who epically punches the guys and is uh, a nerd who plays video games. OMG. Yeah, it's Oh, by the way, shout out, shout out to one of the other few women in this movie who goes by Little Miss Gamer. (laughs) Who shows up for about five seconds at the beginning and has her own little bit with Doug. (laughs) You could just you could just call yourself anything back then. You, and people would be like, that's fine. <laughs> Little Miss Gamer. Little Miss Gamer. And I, you know. <laughs> that is a, <laughs> just uttering that phrase should get you on a watch list of some yeah. kind. <laughs> I'm going to turn myself in for having yeah. to say that out loud. Yeah. No, if, yeah, no, if, if a, ladies, if a guy calls you Little <laughs> Miss Gamer, you're legally allowed to kill him. <laughs> god yeah terrible (laughs) not in the rest of the movie though yeah no there's a bunch of like cameos at the beginning like that chick with the goggles already realizing that this was the wrong life choice for her shows up (laughs) doesn't even appear on screen (laughs) it's a voice cameo yeah um also shout out to the end that at the end they have the big cavalcade of cameos of people who didn't want to fucking fly out to nevada to (laughs) to be in the goonies from hell and 
they one of the people's name is and <laughs> that Jewish guy. <laughs> that was my favorite. That is so awesome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I got Esther, yeah. That should be your that should be your like Twitter name for a day or something. <laughs> when it's scary, he says, yeah. <laughs> no, the the names of everyone in the ending bit where it's all the cameos are so good because you have that Jewish guy, the last angry geek, Guru Larry, who I believe. Oh, is thank the- God, it's the last of them. <laughs> I think Guru Larry is one of the. He's the other guy with Brad Jones. He's still on the site. Uh, yeah. my, my favorite besides that Jewish guy, which is Cold Guy. <laughs> Guru Larry dresses like a a dude who runs like a a fucking trading card store but he also like goes to work dressed like a ring wraith (laughs) (laughs) like he feels like he feels like if you like went to a tcg store uh to play magic with your friends that guy would be lurking in the corner talking like dracula (laughs) it's just oh i have to point out by the way that jewish guy i i don't know what his like whole deal was as like a a video personality but he is wearing a yarmulke in his video for no reason whatsoever he is so awesome that guy is like my favorite person of all time just i'm gonna look him up i hope he's doing okay just his real name by the way is sam goldberg (laughs) yeah i just someone that jewish guy was oh god <laughs> that is the 2010 that is like the 2010 version of going on the site and calling yourself the crazy ass white boy <laughs> it's the original crazy ass white boy uh, oh god um i wrote yeah okay so they have this big mars girl the big um not mars girl segment the rollo t segment and um oh boy it's so bad but the the and maybe not the worst, but the most memorable part is Lindsay is once again Lindsay Ellis. Um, oh boy, <laughs> Lindsay Ellis. I think you could like. I think if you were to isolate all the Lindsay Ellis clips from this movies, you could make like a really good found footage horror movie out of it. <laughs> Just watching the deterioration of this person who is like who is way too smart and way too talented to be involved with this, but not a good enough person to not be involved with this. I I don't, I can't think of like a good analog for her, but like she is, she like isn't good enough to not be out of Doug's narcissistic orbit, but she still knows she's way too good for this shit, even in 2010. So, like... But she's also not good enough to be good in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, in her early scenes, she is cross-faded out of her fucking mind. Those scenes like... are my favorite, actually, because that's the best demonstration of what you're talking about. It's when they're all doing shots of them, like, Doug is calling everyone up, and she is, like, you know, lying in bed or on the couch or something, and she's picked up the phone, and she's, like, acting, like, lazy or whatever. Um... Every literally every single other person that Doug calls is standing in the middle of their room. <laughs> and it's like, of course, she's the film student. She's the only one who was like, oh, I'll be acting. Like, I'll be in sort of a natural, like, state when I receive this phone call. Everyone else is just standing <laughs> in the middle of the space. Yeah. yeah. And she, 
But even though, even though she's like the film student, like when she's acting, she is like, you can tell that it's probably like 11 o'clock in the morning when she's filming this. And yeah. she has had half a bottle of vodka by the time she's filming this because she could not give less of a shit. Her, the, like the first, the first half of the movie, she is very clearly just drunk out of her mind or yeah. stoned or she's both. drinking on screen. Yeah. She, like before she the like, second bit starts that we're talking about that is her whole yeah. thing is just she's like drinking and being like yeah, yeah whatever like this is this <laughs> is like the the boring film student nerd version of david bowie doing cocaine and converting to christianity while filming <laughs> the man who fell to earth <laughs> it is it is like what if eminem getting addicted to prescription pills while filming eight mile was in service of a of a movie about a guy who invades a micronation in 2010. <laughs> she is like taking shots of Jaeger while filming this no budget awful movie that that was so it was expensive enough that okay, I guess we should take the sidebar. One of the things about this movie, I always assumed that um, you know, they when I was younger, I always assumed, like, they get the budget for this, like, out of pocket. You know, Doug makes a decent amount of money from these videos by now. I think I think in 2009, his, um, he made, like, six figures off of doing the Nostalgia Jesus Critic. Christ. And um, I always assumed that, you know, he, he would have or maybe gotten some financial help. But, like, I always assumed that he would have done this out of pocket or maybe gotten some help from Blip TV. Apparently, the way they did this was it was out of pocket, but the way they recouped costs is that they made all of the creators do like crossovers with each other. And they would have all of the crossovers, like the creators wouldn't get any money from the crossovers and would all go to Doug to make up the cost for these movies, which is so hilariously evil. Yeah. I I cannot get over that. Like, yeah. Oh my God. And whenever. <laughs> Whenever apparently whenever people would start shit about this, they'd be like, hey, you know, uh, this is my livelihood and making these crossovers takes a ton of time. And I'm already working full time on this fucking horror show set making this awful movie. He would just be like, well, you know, you got a free trip to Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> we should say, by the way, as uh, uh, one of the most, well, maybe the most, the only interesting thing about this movie is that the subtext of this film is that uh, this is a movie about how everyone who works for Doug hates his guts, doesn't, you know, doesn't like him or have any faith in him. He's just, he's a terrible boss. They all want to take him out. Um, which is fascinating because one, that's true. Like we know that now. Um, <laughs> that is how it actually was. But it's weird because Doug wrote this. And so is he writing this to be like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if that were the case? <laughs> Or is this like is this like Tarantino's death proof? Like him trying to exercise some horrible guilt he has. <laughs> like, you know how Tarantino makes this movie about a guy who gets off on getting woman in horrible car crashes and then, you know, eleven years later some stories about how he accidentally did get a woman in a horrible car crash and almost killed her came out and you kind of wonder it's like was this kicking around in his head at the time? Was this him trying to deal with the fact that no one likes him and he hurts all the people who work for him. I I don't know. A case could be made. Uh, the difference is, is that Death Proof is a masterpiece and this is Kickassia. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Kickassia is sort of the death proof of Death Well, although I, I gotta say, like, that relationship 
as far as I remember, carried through, like, through the rest of these movies. Like, that was all, there was always an animosity between the nostalgia critic and everyone else, because he is supposed to be sort of like a buffoon, but he is also, because, you know, that's, like we said in the last one, like, all of these people are supposed to be buffoons, but also epic. Like, that is, that is the central conflict of all of these people. They are nerds playing cool guys playing nerds who think that in real life they're hot shit. Yeah. It's there's like multiple layers to all of their performances, but uh, it, it um like you can tell like in their line reads like, God in that scene where Bennett the Sage, I'm never gonna be able to say the phrase Bennett the Sage without laughing. <laughs> um, uh, he has the sequence where he's like, Yeah, I'm the I'm the medical I'm the Surgeon General of Cacassia, and I say that smoking is good, and. You can just tell the way he reads all these lines. He's just like, this is comedy gold right here. <laughs> this is so funny. This is one of the funniest things ever. Yep. And- uh, uh, by the way, before, before we get too off track, uh, we should talk about the other aspect of Lindsay's performance, which is the thing that struck me more than anything else, which is that she spends most of this movie doing a Sarah Palin impression. You know... Um, Sarah and, Palin makes sense. I kind of thought she was supposed to be Hillary because she's oh, no, a yeah. huge fan of Hillary. And... No, no, no. This is, there's like all, it's all Sarah Palin bits. And the yeah. weirdest thing about it is that it's, this was 2010. Like Sarah Palin was like, that, that these jigs were two years out of date when she's doing this. And it's not even like she's doing something else, but it's sort of like a, a it's sort of like, it begins as a Sarah Palin impression, but then she's sort of like doing other things with it. She's just doing Sarah Palin bits. The whole bit about how she can see Nevada from her porch or whatever. Like that's just, that's the whole thing. And it's so bizarre because you almost get the impression like, is this, did, did Lindsay ask to do this? Did she want to, did she think this was cool? Cause it's, it's, it was like way, way outdated then. Yeah. I, I guess they wanted to do it because it's political commentary that wouldn't get anyone mad since, you know, the That's election true. is over. And, like, Doug mostly sat on the fence politically throughout his life. The only thing he really, like, the only thing he really made in terms of a political statement was he was very vocally pro-gay rights. Um, but that that is a... That is the only thing he uh, he really cared about. So I guess they wanted to do something that could be political, but not offensive to people. Aside from us, I mean. <laughs> offensive in a different way, yeah. No, that's true. It is just, it's so strange to me to go like, it would be like someone doing Tim Kaine bits now. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's, everyone's forgotten about that by now. Like, why are you basing your entire, like, character in this movie off of something that's not it surely wasn't funny anymore oh <laughs> uh, yeah so i guess so back to the onset shenanigans um oh god so there's not a lot of interesting things that actually happen in this movie uh from here on out like i mean we'll talk more about it but from here on out it's the standard like doug goes mad with power people turn on him thing but but the reports of this movie on set and all the movies they did on set are absolutely legendary. It is it is the stuff of like actors guild nightmares or dreams really because if this was a this was a union set like 
so many lawsuits would happen. And, okay, so the first thing you need to know is that Doug does not know or did not know what craft services are. Um, Lindsay had to, like, approach him one-on-one and say, what are you going to do about craft services for this movie? And he just kind of laughed at her like it was a joke. And then she was like, you need to have craft services. Like, even on student films, they have craft services. Like, yeah. the way she tells like, it the way she tells it by the way i think it was she said that and he laughed and then the spoony one was like no she's right and then doug was like oh okay fine it's like yeah. oh, come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah jesus um, christ doug and um yeah no he did not know about craft services yeah. uh another thing that you need to know about kickassia is that uh, I don't know if this is true. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, I My buddy, Andy, who is going to be on this podcast later, he does those good old-fashioned values with me. He told me this, and it caused like a brief mental breakdown. Um, this was apparently shot in sequential order, or in chronological order. I, I don't know if this is true. I really, really hope it's not, because if it is... That is so fucking amazing if they shot this in chronological order because they they're like ping ponging between locations and like literally anyone like Lindsay grad student at USC, one of the most prestigious film schools in the country. Like imagine just being that and having to shoot like hop between locations randomly just because this guy is like, yeah, we'll just shoot it in script order because he can't get a fucking like assistant director. It's um, astounding. Like, what? What? Yeah. It's it's so cool. It's the degree to which they did not know how to make movies is yeah is the best. Like okay, and I I really need to um, what is it? Uh, I need to stress that I don't think in order to need to be like a movie critic, you need to be like Martin Scorsese or anything. I I, I think like a knowledge of the grammar is useful, but like. I don't buy the whole, like, in order to be a great critic, you need to be a great creator. I do buy that you need to, like, know how, like, you film things. Like, what a camera is in order to criticize movies for a living. Like, even if you're just a comedian, which is always, like, the really cowardly defense people like CinemaSins use. Uh, it's like, oh, I'm a comedian. I'm not a film critic. Like, no, you're a, you, you are doing film criticism online. Even if that's not your intention, that's what you're doing. I, you need to know, like, what the fuck a camera is and what, like, what the fuck craft services are. Like, you need to understand what a film set is in order to do this. Because if you don't, like, I'm sorry, you're just, like, you don't know what the hell you're talking about at all. <sighs> so I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read very briefly from uh, the trivia, IMDb trivia page for Kickassia, thinking of on-set disputes. So it says... The biggest fight that Doug Walker and Rob Walker had over the film was the scene when Film Brain captures the cinema snob for the trial. Rob had felt that music should have been played over the scene. He told uh, the Film Brain to make the weird sounds for this reason. Doug, on the other hand, felt that the music was playing in Film Brain's head and didn't feel that music was necessary. Doug and Rob didn't talk to each other for a week because of this. <laughs> <laughs> That is so funny. It's they, really good. What? That is 
That's awesome. Yeah, I love I love getting in a week-long fight with my brother because we can't decide what epic music.wmv file to play over my fucking dog shit movie. Oh my god. And Jimmy, by the way, important to note, another item on this page says principal photography lasted four days. <laughs> so they just the director sequentially too. Of this, yeah, primary creators of this film not speaking to each other for most of production. For like all of it, like the, <laughs> seven days. That's like longer than the production. <sighs> okay, so cool. I also need to. I also need to mention. Um, they uh, they shot Kikassia with one camera, just like just one. Also, so they they like couldn't even do like second unit filming or anything. They were just like had one fucking you know handheld camera that they just bounced back and forth with between locations over four days. I <sighs> all right, moving on. That that just hurts <laughs> to think about. Okay, so. The way the plot progresses is it's just standard, you know, Doug's going mad with power stuff. They have, like, a plot where Doug has, like, laced the building with dynamite. And they're, like, everyone's starting to wonder whether or not Doug's plotting to kill people or whatever. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. There's a bunch of stupid bullshit. Does anything, like, interesting happen in, like, the second half of this movie? No. (laughs) I mean, does anything worth noting happen in the second half of this movie? They try to stop Doug... By making Spoonie one turn into Dr. Insano. Um, yeah. And they have a stupid slap fight, which is like... Yeah. It's so weird because, like, there's this almost dichotomy where it's like they're doing this, like, comedy slap fight that's showing that they're weaklings instead of doing what you would expect them to do, which is an epic fight to show that they're epic. Um, just again it's like they're constantly in this tug of war between like are we supposed to be goofy and you laugh at us or are we supposed to be like the coolest guys ever um and then that doesn't work and then a character the character <laughs> a character named santa christ appears i don't remember what the deal was oh i remember santa christ santa christ is a is a character what is it from the nostalgia critic reviews uh it's played by rob walker and it's just like what if santa was jesus and epic and they have this like musical riff that uh the composer came up with and uh that's his whole that's his whole thing he's just like he's a he's epic and awesome and everyone loves him and he gives like sega genesis genesis to people that's his character wow well he gets uh, fucking killed in this movie yeah yeah doug kills him (laughs) That kills him, and then everyone has to say that they believe in Santa Christ, and that's where we get the cameos from all the other people who didn't want to fly to Nevada to do this shit. Um, oh, another thing that happens also, uh, James Rolfe makes a cameo, and I gotta say, I think he's the most watchable presence in this movie in the about yeah, 15 seconds Yeah, he just does a board James segment. Yeah. yeah, again, James Rolfe is so much more talented than his peers, it is not even... It's not even comparable. Like, I cannot fucking believe that Doug Walker wasn't laughed off the internet when fucking James was doing this shit a hundred times better. And I'm not even a huge fan of the angry video game nerd. I didn't watch his stuff that much when I was younger. But, like, oh my god. Like, he he is a, 
He's a nicer person. He's a more normal person. He has more on-screen chemistry. I've seen his, like, serious reviews of movies. They're, like, I wouldn't say they're great or anything, but, like, they're way more charitable and generous and interesting. Uh, it, um... Oh, my fucking God. It, uh... Literally, like, he shows up yeah. for a bit where he explains the rules of the game Risk, and it's like, I would wa- I just want to watch him tell me about board games. I want to go look yeah. up those segments. It's like, that was that was nice. I liked him. Yeah. I liked watching him. Yeah. Um, oh God, fucking... Uh, uh, what's this? They all have to stop the... They have to stop Doug. They have that epic fight, which also gave me an aneurysm. Uh, they... They have this whole subplot, too, where, like, Film Brain is, like, the only loyal one to Doug. And then, but once Doug kills Santa Christ, Film Brain turns on him. I I can't even say he's, like, in the bottom three of the charisma vacuums in this movie, but... How could you narrow oh it down? Oh, man. He, he, he would be in the running. He would be in the running because, yeah. like, all the scenes where he's, like, playing, like, this... Like this little kid or whatever, just going like, "I love you, Doug." It's just painful. Really, it's, it is. It's, it's 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 I would say it's the most unwatchable performance in the film. I I hated I hated every every second that he was on screen. Yeah, yeah. God, you know that I think Film Brain actually started out as like the moderator for the that guy with the glasses <laughs> forums, and then he got a gig making videos for the site. Wow, what a step up. Yeah. God, the one thing worse than being a forums mod. Listen, rise and grind. Get that paper. Yeah, rise and grind. Oh, boy. Okay. There is also... Oh, there is something really interesting worth pointing out. Uh, there is a scene in this where Doug sort of has his, uh, has his, like, conscience awakening moment. And it's when he goes into a room in Malasia, and it just turns out it's his old review room. It has, like, the chair. It has the white wall. And... Uh, Mati is there. Mati, we didn't touch on him, even though he shows up in um, he shows up in the anniversary brawl. He was sort of a recurring character in the Nostalgia Critic show. I think he had a he he's based on the character from Captain Planet, who you know all of the uh, Captain Planet characters had the, the, these superpowers, and Mati had heart. And uh, Doug thought that was funny enough to make a whole new character named Mati to be part of the part of the Dougiverse and in these movies he is played by uh, uh one of the site's co-founders Bargov and uh I don't know anything about Bargov and I you know unlike um unlike Mike Ellis and Mike Michaud who have like seven trillion abuse allegations directed at him Bargov just kind of left the site and was never really discussed again and uh he he is in this and he has the big you know crisis you know, critics conscience awakening moment. And, you know, he gets to be the punching bag a little bit more. He's the punching bag in the first movie too. And this is like the one scene where they discovered what color correction was or what white balancing was <laughs> like the rest of the movie literally seems like, looks like you took like an iPhone six, you walked outside on a summer day and then you just shot some like footage outside. Yeah. This is like the one scene where it feels like someone competent was holding the camera. It doesn't even look good, but it, it looks like, you know, they knew how to like change the settings on the camera for it. Yeah, it's almost like they just discovered they could change the settings on the camera. Um, you know what? It might also be potentially that the guy who did their special effects was in the scene, <laughs> and that he might have had a little more technical knowledge. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, he uh the scene looks a little bit better than the rest of the movie. Um uh, again, I I I I also want to say that there is a really really grating room tone for like most of the movie. Like mm. you, you like just the movie balances back and forth, but like when in the edit, like the room tone changes too, but like there's all these really abrasive like fuzzes and hums and sh- like like that's the first thing you learn to do when you learn how to make movies. Like that's one of the very first things is you go into the editing, you take some room tone, and then you use noise removal effects on the room tone so there isn't this horrible buzzing sound whenever you're filming. And then you put in like actual good sounding ambiance to make it sound like you're still like you're not in like a void somewhere. Yeah, that sa- is one of the yeah. <laughs> the sound here is great. There's a great great bit when in the early kind of like the charge the assault on kick on, on Malasia where um, they are for that entire scene, just looping the same, like 10 seconds of all of them screaming over and over again in the background. <laughs> and there's like a bit where like Mars girl, like trips and Linkara goes to save her and like thinks she's dead. And it again goes on like every bit in this movie goes on for way too long, but the whole time it's just the <laughs> sound file of all of these people shrieking <laughs> yes. looping i oh fuck i also need to mention from a technical standpoint a lot of the scenes in this movie especially the ones outdoors like the whites are just the the lighting in this movie is so blown out because they didn't know how to i mean they probably didn't know how to you know adjust the uh iso or f-stop so like just whenever they're outside like half of the horizon is just blindingly white and like, or when they're inside and they're like near an open door, just huge fucking Ghostbusters door beams of light coming out. <laughs> it's, it is. It's, it's, it's so, it's incredible. It really is. It's almost like they just were like scared to mess with the settings on the camera because they didn't want to mess yeah. it up. And Lindsay was too drunk to, <laughs> to help them. Lindsay was not interested in it. Lindsay did not give a shit about how this movie yeah. looked. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm too busy working with Ryan Coogler. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So uh, then there's, you know, the bunch of stupid bullshit happens. They all turn on the critic. And then there is this interminably long fight scene against him where they all, like, team up on him. And uh, it. Oh, my I, I, God. I, I was, like, <sighs> tuning this out. I literally didn't remember how this movie resolved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he started saying that. Yeah, I. Yeah, no, I, it's like, it's, I'm having trouble. I'm really sorry that I don't have, like, a plot summary in front of me because, like, I don't fucking remember how this movie went. I watched it a week ago, and I... I watched it yesterday. There, I don't remember yeah, how it ends. There are, like, huge just gaps in what I what I can remember. Like, the only things that stick out are just, like, Doug's epic voice. I didn't even remember the Matisse scene until I looked at my notes. And... Oh God, they all team up on Doug. And once again, they have a fight scene that is three trillion years long with the same <laughs> stock punch effect. And uh, and yeah. then they decide to seed Kikassia back to um, back to uh, old man Mangala. And they... Jesus Christ. By the way, his family is in this movie. <laughs> yeah, though. Oh, my. Uh, this man... Who got a call from these from these miserable fucking internet nerds and said, "Can we shoot a movie at your house?" <laughs> and he's, not only did he say, "Yeah, sure," he got his like wife and like four children to be in several shots. It's ah, uh, 
Yeah, no, they, 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 yeah, they get us. And it's always the same joke. Like they have angry Joe or something go like, woo, we're, we're, we're evil. We're, we're crazy. And then they just all go, mm hmm. Like, yeah. ugh, getting your fucking family to act in the shit show, man. That's, that's rough. It's, it's dark stuff. It's, it's yeah. really, really bad. Oh my god, I feel bad for. Can you imagine just being one of his kids and just like you're just like, oh, we're gonna be in a movie, and then you. Just... <laughs> yeah, bad enough that your dad is this like libertarian dipshit. <laughs> yeah. Bad enough he that you're, the, free, you're 20... the freak at school who lives in your own country. <laughs> and then one day he invites these like twenty sh- shrieking dimwits to your house to just run around <laughs> and yell at each other for four days. Yeah, can can you imagine like living in the house too while all of these guys like <laughs> dressed like a steampunk bastard are just like <laughs> roaming around your house stealing all your shit and eating in your house? Yeah, you you just keep you know you go to the fridge cause in the middle of the day and you just run into a guy who's like wearing a pith helmet made out of duct tape. <laughs> yeah, like imagine having to live like er. I guess they might have stayed in hotels, but, like, imagine having to spend four days of your life with Jew Wario. Like, <laughs> who, I don't even think he's Jewish, by the way. I'm pretty sure he's not Jewish. Outstanding. Yeah. All around. Just, oh, God. He, he, is the, he is the chaotic counterpart to that Jewish guy. He, yeah. he and, if only that Jewish guy had come instead. Uh, a different yeah. universe we'd be living in. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, fucking God, no. <laughs> so, other than that, yeah, no, they leave, and then that's the end of the movie. Um, so other scattered observation is that they have, like, an intro music to the movie, and they have, like, this big epic score. I think it's composed... Is it composed by, like, uh, Skitch, the guy who does all the stuff? I can't remember. But Man, Doug sings the uh, intro, and... This is sort of a recurring fascination I have with Doug is that he thought he could sing well, like basically always. Like, uh, I know that he did like a couple joke songs. Like he had that song with Lindsay Ellis where uh, there's like boys versus girls or something, which was embarrassing. But I-, I guess at some point in his career, Doug got convinced that he could do like a good, you know, operatic voice or at yeah, least he- like a funny bad one. He sings at the beginning of the last one we did. He does the song from Oklahoma. Yeah. And he... Look, I... My music taste is exclusively made up of music where the lead singer just can't sing. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Doug cannot sing in an entirely different way than you're used to. Because it's like... It's, it's like... 85% of the way there, but it's a type of singing where if you're not like on the ball, it's unlistenable. He's just doing epic voice, but but for yeah. singing. It's literally that's yeah. all it is. Yeah. And like I'm sorry, if you if you've like even tried to sing at any point in your life and you have like a deep voice, you can pull this off. And 
Doug is like in the bottom 30%. Of if you like surveyed like a bunch of people with deep voices on the street, Doug would be in the bottom 30. It's just he sings so much in all of his fucking reviews and all of his movies. He has The Wall, which is like a musical where he sings. They made an album out of it, which we're going to have to talk about and we're going to have a special guest for it and it is going to be bad. Uh. And and uh, he can't sing and there are so many um so many moments in these where you just like you want to tell him it's like dude dude you can't sing i'm sorry like there are people who can sing badly in interesting ways you can't do that you just sound like he can't do anything that's the thing he yeah this entire project all all of the things we're going to watch are just a monument to one man's galactic hubris at thinking he could he was confident at doing literally anything that he does in in yeah. and for any of these things. I, I want to say, uh, you know, if I can tie this back to my other podcast, one thing we beat a lot about about Seth MacFarlane, who is a Doug Walker is a McFarlanean figure. Uh <laughs> I'm I'm not elaborating on that. And they sure. But Seth could really like he can act really well. He can do voice acting really well. He wasn't a great writer, but he could do comic timing really well. He can sing amazingly. And, uh, you know, he, he is like a an old school triple threat, basically. And although I don't know if he can dance, but he, he is like he he is a guy who could have been like Gene Kelly level big if he was born in the right time. Doug Walker is a guy who wants to be a triple threat, but can do like a fifth of one of them. It, it is... It is imp- oh god. Yeah. Again, Fuck it's this a, movie. Again, yeah, it's it's this it's the, always the constant tension between like I want people to think that I'm cool and good at all this, but I'm I'm just not. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he like he's aware enough to know that he can't pl- do this with a straight face. He knows that if he tried yeah. to be, just be like a straightforward awesome epic dude, he'd be laughed off the screen. So he has to do it in this self-deprecating way, but the smugness of it all seeps through. Just this very obvious sense of yeah yeah i'm playing a loser i'm playing an oaf but like i'm hot shit like i I, i'm cool and it's not even like he wasn't even not justified since again he was making bank off of the series and i i do have a sort of grudging respect for anyone who can make good money off of doing like a creative outlet even if it's something as awful and unwatchable as this but oh man it's uh, there, there's just no charisma. There's no talent. There's no humility about that lack of talent either. It, it's just painful and punishing to watch. Yeah. Uh, how many more of these are there? Uh, three more movies, and uh, a couple other things we're going to be talking about too. Cool. <laughs> yeah, folks, that's going to do it. That was our our, our uh, review slash recap slash uh, uh, therapy session for Cacassia. <laughs> Uh, this was a this was a cathartic experience, but it's only gonna get worse from here. Although I've heard the next one, Suburban Nights, is uh is the good one or the the least bad one. I can't wait! I can't wait to see the yeah. good one. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other stray things to touch upon? I think I went through all of my notes. No, I didn't. I didn't, I, I will take notes for the next one. I did not take notes for this one. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. <laughs> why who cares? Why bother? Why yeah. why commit to why commit to paper any yeah. any thoughts that this film might inspire? Yeah. 
So, um, that's gonna do it, uh, folks. Um, you know, if you're here through, uh, if you're new here, if you're here through those good old fashioned values, please follow Esther on Twitter at Esther Mary Rose, and on Twitch. Um, uh, what's your Twitch name again? It's Esther Rose One, number one. Esther Rose, Esther Rose One, and uh, because I, I'm like the, I'm the second fiddle on those streams. I pop up time to time, from time to time, and um. Yeah, follow this. If you're here from Esther, uh, I'm not on Twitter anymore, but uh, check out those good old-fashioned values. Uh, also, check out my girlfriend's music, uh, Rose With Teeth. And yeah, no, that's that's going to do it for now, though. Um, yeah. All right. We'll see you all next week. And uh, we're going to be talking about Suburban Nights.